Get the little ones, sit back, relax, and listen to the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated G for general audiences. The Red Panda Chronicles, The Cupid Gang, Part 1, February 1940. The top crust of snow was packed hard and slick beneath the bare treads of the fat man's shoes. As he ran, his feet pounded through that layer with a rapid-fire sound that was neither quite a crunch nor a squeak, but somewhere in the vastness in between. Once his wholly inadequate footwear burst through that upper coating, they plunged into an icy bath of half-melted slush beneath. The fat man's feet were soaked and numb, but still he pushed his legs to race still harder, faster. Ten minutes ago he had been one of many. Not the brains, not the muscle, just one of the sinewy bits in between. Little had been expected of him but to play his part, and he had always done so. But this, this was never part of the plan. The disembodied voice from above, the peals of laughter that seemed to come from everywhere. The fat man had been forced to improvise, and having no other ideas in his meaty head, he had started to run. Nine minutes ago that had seemed like a sound policy. He had been aware at first of other shadowy shapes around him, each trying to pick a safe route through the maze of alleyways, cutting deeper into no man's land, each hoping to find a route to safety. The fat man didn't know how many of his confederates had made it, or why the grim specter of justice high above seemed to be pursuing him in particular, but no matter how he struggled and slid through the snow and the muck, the fat man could not shake the unrelenting eye in the sky or the cruel, mocking laughter that enveloped him like a ghost. The fat man dug deeper, ran harder than he had ever run in his life. His heart pounded as if it would burst from his chest. He gulped down the cold air desperately and pressed harder still. In another minute he would reach the end of this maze and emerge into the lights of Spadina. He would disappear in the crowds, leave this caper behind, maybe even go straight this time. He tried to mutter a small prayer to this effect, but he had neither the wind nor the conviction. He tried to turn the corner at top speed and slid head over heels in the icy muck and mire. He fell hard and felt the wind knocked out of him, knowing it would not return quickly except in wheezing gasps. His race seemed to have been lost, within sight of the lights of freedom, which were suddenly eclipsed by an approaching man-shaped shadow. The fat man sputtered, and his eyes began to water, as if he might yet weep with the hopelessness of his situation. "'Stay down,' a voice from the shadowy form commanded. The fat man wheezed harder and grew pale as he fought to stand. "'I said stay down!' The voice had the bite of an order now. "'You won't do either of us any good if you have a heart attack right now.' The fat man sputtered. "'Why me?' he gasped, the freezing water soaking him to the core. "'I didn't do nothing. Very much.' You ran, the shadow said, stepping into the shaft of light. You ran the fastest in spite of an apparent lack of practice. The biggest coward sings his song the loudest, don't you think? The shape resolved itself into the form of a tall man, all in grey, from his immaculate suit to his long trench coat and fedora. Only three notes of colour broke the monochrome, each of them bright red. His necktie, his gauntlets and a domino mask with terrible blank eyes.
the fat man gasped in terror. He was at the mercy of the red panda. <laughs> you, you don't want me, the fat man protested, writhing in the freezing filth. I'm nobody. I'm nothing. Yes, the mystery man said with a grimace. I've never seen such a crowd of also-rans cause so much trouble in under a week. But you're right. I don't want you. The fat man was so astonished that he almost smiled. You... you don't? The red panda shook his head. I want the whole filthy lot of you, he growled, in a cage. And you're going to give me the others. Something flashed in the eyes of the fat man. Something that did not belong. He was prone... Soaking wet, a captive of the man most feared by the city's criminal scum, and for one fleeting instant there was a note of triumph in his expression. Some might have missed it, or doubted what they saw. The Red Panda had been his city's protector for long enough to know what it meant. Instead of protesting his innocent or begging for mercy, the fat man was going to, Okay, okay, you got me, the fat man said with an open, expansive gesture of his hands. I'll tell you anything you want to know, Red Panda. Just please don't. The man spoke right until the safety clicked off the pistol just behind the masked man's left ear, and then he stopped, grinning. Don't move, freak, another man's voice said with paper-thin confidence. The Red Panda did not look back. He knew where the second man was, where the gun was. He could smell the oil, hear the gentle rattle caused by the fearful tremor in his would-be captor's hand. He could finish this in an instant. But where was the fun in that? I wouldn't do that if I were you, the masked man said. I bet you wouldn't, the gunman's voice sneered. The fat man on the ground beamed up at his rescuer. Now here's what's going to happen, the gunman said, warming to his own pretended bravery. No one is ever going to hear the end of that sentence, the red panda interrupted with a tone that might have been pity. Shut up, barked the second man. I'm in charge here. Oh, are you? The red panda sounded amused. He might have even smiled. Shut up, shut up! The man with the gun barked, trying to roar his own mounting dread away. The man in the mask did not move or look back. He seemed to have forgotten his adversaries were there. He spoke quietly, as if entirely to himself. Five, four, three, he said. What's that supposed to was all that the man with the gun had time to say before he was hit by something that fell from the sky with the force of a freight train. He staggered forward as a lithe, athletic shape flipped over his head, spun around once, and brought a static shoe-clad foot through the space once occupied by the side of his face. One, the red panda said, and he did smile this time, though he still did not look at the now-broken gunman sprawled on the ground behind him. I did try to warn you... The flying squirrel flipped her long red hair away from the goggles on her flying helmet and stretched her arms out to either side, retracting her gliding membranes back into her costume. Quiet, you, she said to the man in the mask. I'm mad at you. You're never mad at me, the red panda countered gently. That is a remarkable conclusion, she corrected, which leads me to believe you have no idea what me being mad at you looks like. It looks like this, she pointed to her own scowling face. On the ground, the fat man squirmed a little. This was getting awkward. Are you trying to get yourself killed? The flying squirrel's objection seemed to be gaining some momentum. I thought we were going in together. We are together, the red panda said with a note of amusement in his voice. 
Isn't this nice? I thought you were going to wait for me, she said, her chin turned up in indignation. I wasn't sure how long you'd be, he said, knowing it was a mistake even as the words were leaving his mouth. What's that supposed to mean, she said, raising her voice enough to provoke a light in the window high above to switch on. The fat man rolled to his hands and knees and waved his right hand before his face as if offering an apology. Look, guys, I don't want to be a third wheel, he began before the flying squirrel sprang forward and knocked him cold with a judo chop to the neck. How much of that was actually for me, the man in the mask asked quietly. Somewhere between some and most, she offered without smiling. Kit Baxter's smile was like the sun coming out, and knocking out bad guys in her alter ego usually provoked a particularly crazed version of it that her partner appreciated more than he could say, which made its absence all the more keenly felt. He looked to the rooftops. I suppose the cheap seats would be a little better suited for some quiet conversation. She shrugged and produced her grapple gun, twirling it like a matinee cowboy in spite of herself. With who? With him or with me? she asked. The red panda hoisted the fat man on his shoulder without apparent effort and pointed his own grapple gun into the darkness high above. Well, he is unconscious just now, so... The grapple retracted, and the man in the mask disappeared into the night. The rooftop of the McNally building was as good a place as any to conduct an interrogation when the fat man woke up at last. The two masked heroes waited quietly, the air between them practically crackling with an electric current of unspoken words, which was not the natural state of things. So, he offered. So, she said, agreeing. How are things at the paper? he asked at last. I knew it, she said, pouncing. Knew what? he protested, fairly certain he had done nothing revelatory. This is about the Chronicle, she declared. "'Squirrel, you work at a newspaper now,' he said. "'What else am I supposed to ask you about?' "'You never asked me questions like that when I was a driver,' she countered. "'You were my driver,' he argued. "'I knew exactly how your day was, "'because I spent most of it looking at the back of your neck, "'trying not to have impure thoughts.' "'Don't try to butter me up,' she said, "'fighting not to smile and almost succeeding. "'I wouldn't dare,' he said seriously. "'Is our friend there stirring at all?' I hit him pretty hard, the squirrel offered. Don't change the subject. I'm not at all certain that I know what the subject is, he admitted. The subject is you, lying dead in an alley because you tried to fight a war all by yourself. He cocked his head at this, confused. But I didn't, he protested. I'm fine. Today, she objected, do you think it's any better if it doesn't happen until tomorrow? He turned his head slightly to ensure the fat man was still out cold. Kit, he said. We risk our lives every day, and we do it because the fight needs to be fought. Because the darkness won't dispel itself without... He trailed off. Without someone to hold high the lamp of justice, she offered with only a little sarcasm in her voice. Funny you went right for the oath we give the agents, don't you think? We came to rely on them, the red panda nodded. Maybe too much. She bristled again, and he was still not certain why. We have spotters. And runners and inside men, she said. But most of the active agents are gone. The Andy Parkers and Mac Tullys have all joined up. He did not meet her gaze. Tank Brody now, I hear. He took Ace Kirby with him, she nodded. Those two are like Mutt and Jeff anyhow. It's worse than you say, Squirrel, he said. A lot of the agents who collected information are gone, too, to wartime jobs. 
That's why we need you at the newspaper. As a reporter, you can... I know what I can do, she snapped. The investigative might of the whole Daily Chronicle at our beck and call. But that isn't my job, Gus. This is my job. She spread her gray-gloved hands apart as if performing a magic trick. This is what I do. I jump off buildings and kick bad guys in the pants. I'm your partner. And you can learn to cope without Andy and Mac and anybody else you need to, but you don't do without me. Do you hear? On the other side of the roof, the fat man groaned and shifted his weight. Saved by the bell, the red panda said quietly. To be continued, she corrected. Oh, good, he grimaced. Is this the best you could find? She frowned. I didn't know they made goons this out of shape. They were meeting in a warehouse, he said, like a tree fort. I had my pick of a fairly depressing litter. This one looked the most desperate to get away. Can you blame him? She said, wondering if a boot to the backside would wake their guest faster. It's a pretty sleazy game they've been playing. Protection rackets are the lowest form of scum, he agreed. With the war effort, even the city's big gangs have left the small businessman alone for the most part. But then these amateurs stepped in to fill the void. You don't have to tell me, she said, screwing up her nose in distaste. I'm the one that turned them up through the Chronicle. It was a pretty bad scam they worked up, pretending to be collecting on behalf of Archangel. He nodded. For a moment, I thought we might have an actual lead on those fifth columnist rats. Imagine my disappointment. She snorted. They're lucky we found them first, she said. Sure, we'll round them up and put them in the Who's Gal, but if they'd kept it up... Archangel might have taken an interest himself. They both chuckled at the thought, and then he stopped. Say that again, he said, holding up one finger as if discreetly hailing a cab. What? she asked. I just thought that if they kept pretending to work for our favorite Nazi bagman, the big jerk himself might come looking for... Oh, you clever boy. You see it too, he asked. We use these punks to pull Archangel from under his rock, and then we beat him to death with it? Dark, he nodded. I like it. They'll need to get a lot better if he's going to take them seriously, she warned. Think we can whip them into shape, he asked. She did not answer, but she smiled, and it was like the sun coming out. There it is, he said. There are many things that we can all do that may help stop the spread of the coronavirus. But one thing we can all do is to have a plan in case you do get sick. First, consult with your health care provider for more information about monitoring your health for symptoms suggestive of COVID-19. Second, stay in touch with others by phone or email. You may need to ask for help from friends, family, neighbors, community health workers, or more if you become sick. And finally, determine who can care for you if your caregiver gets sick. For more information, go to cdc.gov and be well, everyone.